0: Hey guys, what's up? It's Jeremy here with Cartel Aristocrats After Hours number 4. I'm joined this week, of course, with Ed Wynn, who is uh, currently sitting in the middle of nowhere. I Now, now he knows how it feels. Uh, I'm also joined by Jim Casale, about to uh, get buried underwater. Apparently someone is casting Hydroblast in his local area. And uh, this week we have a special guest on. We have uh, JR of... Um, Many different, uh, many different podcasts, he, he tends to uh, be on a lot of them, but he's most well known for being on Money Drought, as much as I love to uh, mispronounce that podcast, uh, which is with him, Slick, and uh, Jason Alt, JR, if you want to say hi.
1: Hi, friends. Hi, new friends. How's Hello, everyone? friend. How's it going? Very
0: we well. Have, yeah, we haven't seen each other since uh, Doug's wedding being stuck on that bus where uh, I guess a lot of us wanted to reevaluate our life choices.
1: Yeah, Ed, Ed got out of there right afterwards. We never actually got to, to, to talk, but next time. Next time.
0: Yep. Um,
2: so Jim, how's life? Uh, is good. Um, it might get worse in the next couple of days because I live in Orlando and if you don't live in the southeast the United States, and you probably don't care, but apparently the largest hurricane ever, or something to that effect, I don't know how like much grandiose there is in this, but a very large hurricane is on its way, and uh, many of its paths put it going directly through Orlando, which is quite inconvenient for me, because I live there, and also because they don't usually go straight through Florida, they just kind of like go up the coast one way or another, so... I'm a little, I'm a little worried. Um, most Floridians are not that worried when a hurricane comes. This one, people seem to be on edge, and it's quite far away. It's like probably like a little, uh, little more than like half a week away. It's probably like four or five days, and stuff's already sold out. So I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little skeptical, a little worried. I don't know what's going to happen. Um,
0: so, uh, but if I have to
2: leave, I have a great place to go. Thomas lives in Georgia. I'm going to go pick ball for him for room and board, I think.
0: Apparently it's supposed to hit the Georgian coast too, based on a couple trajectory models. It's like two or three of the models are now saying it's going to hit Georgia. It's just all about like when it turns to go north. I think, Jim, you're probably an expert in uh, hurricane things by now, after what everyone's like researching and tweeting about. Um, my question is like, so, like, we get a little personal on this cast sometimes. Uh, we got to hear about Ed's uh, Ed's love life on the last one. Um, I, I had originally planned on becoming a marine biologist for uh, global warming. And it was my understanding that Miami floods, like, normally just because the city is literally under sea level. And they have, like, a pipe system to, like, while the streets are flooding just on a normal day. Like They pump it back into the water. How does Miami even stand a chance if the hurricane hits?
2: Well, the thing is that the hurricanes hit Florida so often that it's not really usually that big of a deal. Um, That city is built to withstand a hurricane. Houston was not built to withstand a hurricane. That's why there's a big difference. Are we making a bet on Miami? I mean, I wouldn't make a bet on it, but like, if this is the worst hurricane of all time ever, then yeah, maybe they'll have some damage, but like Most like category two or category three hurricanes that move through that area don't actually end up doing a whole lot of damage um, to, to the to the area so the problem with the last hurricane that we had in Houston and The problems that we won't have really in Florida is they didn't have adequate drainage for the water and also the hurricane stalled over the city for like three days, which is not a thing that normally happens They just usually keep moving in a direction instead of just kind of staying still florida has a problem well not necessarily a problem it has a similar situation where it has a very high water the water table is very high so flooding happens kind of often so the city is built or the cities are built to get rid of the water reasonably well it's it's like the same thing that happens if you like if you live in a place that doesn't snow very often And then it's like it sprinkles snow in like Georgia, like the entire city grinds to a halt because they don't have the infrastructure to deal with snow. But it like it blizzards in Toronto, and there's no problem; you can still get to work without any issues. So it really just depends on how often that kind of weather happens. It happens a lot in Florida, so it shouldn't be a big deal. But this hurricane seems to be in a rather awkward spot, and it is getting stronger, and it's just not good for everyone. So better to be safe than sorry
0: jr you got any hurricaneisms that you've been looking into or researching or is
1: that not your field of uh, expertise it's not my favorite field of of disasters no no I worry about a little bit here I'm on the river I'm about 50 feet above the uh, the base of the river so it should be okay but there is a a phenomenon that could happen when we get a storm surge and there's something called the Hudson Canyon, which is basically an extension of the Hudson river under the, um, the ocean on the continental shelf. And theoretically, if you get the right kind of storm surge, it could just really like almost by Bernoulli's principle, just squirt up the, um, the East river and the Hudson river. And theoretically the water table could, um, could rise pretty, Pretty severely, but uh, before I moved here, I looked at the the flood maps, and it it's it's not too bad. Whereas downtown downtown Manhattan, the financial district, is also going to be underwater eventually. Um, so, in terms of hurricane anecdotes, I, I don't I don't have a lot. I'm more of a more of like an assassination kind of guy, probably. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Natural things are not his not his forte. Yeah,
1: I was watching um, when Bobby Kennedy was shot. I was watching the coverage the other night, and like an hour and a half into it, there was this really awkward guy who basically was like hitting on the the widow of, of Bobby Kennedy, um, and it was like just a really awkward like ninety seconds of of a uh, live interview. Um, so yeah, that's that's the kind of thing I. I have more interest in, I guess. And also, there was this. Um, there's this demonstration today at Foley Square in New York. And when I saw that, I instantly remembered Foley Square was the square um, where the final battle of gangs of New York took place, the, the five with the Five Point g- gangs. So, so. Those those sorts of things. The morbid morbid historical things more so than natural disasters.
0: How good is your uh Bobby Kennedy history? Is that uh, is that something you've looked into a lot?
1: Not specifically Bobby Kennedy. Why did okay. you have a specific question? <laughs>
0: no, uh I, I remember like there was an article in the New York New York something, uh, like a week before he was shot where uh he had just uh, come up with, like, a new drink for one of the bars he was planning on opening during his political run. Uh, and uh, apparently he and JFK had come up with a drink, and it was named A Couple Shooters.
1: That's that's great. Yeah, I, I knew that was coming, um, yeah, yeah. A, a few seconds into the preface. Yeah.
0: That's how we get there. Ed, um, but- are there any natural disasters? Right, go ahead.
1: No, I've been really into listening to interviews of Richard Nixon in the 80s and 90s recently. It's just fascinating to hear his analysis of other politicians and the Kennedys that was included there, where he was like, oh, Jack was very introspective and didn't like getting out to see people, whereas Bobby was more of the um, traditional, passionate minister kind of guy. And Ed was the the most gregarious of the three, which kind of made it sound like he was the biggest drinker, but so yep. I I'm a creature of another generation, I think. And I, I yeah, you'll you'll find me just watching um, various news and things from the nineteen seventies and eighties on, on YouTube.
0: Ed, you got any uh any man-made or assassinations you want to get on here? Or were you blown away by all these revelations?
2: Uh, I don't enjoy your hurricane puns. I just want to let you know that. That was an
0: assassination <laughs> joke, but I guess you dodged the bullet there, Jim.
2: I mean it it could have been it could have been both. Uh
3: I guess like my friends back in Portland, Seattle, they're told me like it's literally just like raining ash from the sky. Like, there's, like, the forest fires in central Washington are just so bad. Everything's just, like, being coated in, like, a film of, like, ash. Like, people will like, people, it's, like, it's a hazard to, like, breathe the air outside just because there's just so much, like, crap in it, so.
0: It's blown over to Missouri, even. It's, like, all the way across almost three quarters of the nation now. There's a graph that the National Weather Institute issued where uh, it's it's getting close to, like, uh, the East Coast now. Great. Oh I, just I haven't really noticed it. it yet, but apparently it's there. So
1: there's a good haunted house in St. Louis. The, oh the, yeah. The Lemp Mansion. I don't know if you've heard of the, is the Lemp brewery still around?
0: Uh not that I'm aware of. That's the one in the old town St. Louis, right?
1: Yeah. It's okay. I think it's a bed and breakfast now, but yeah. one of the more depressing haunted houses. Like multiple yeah. generations of suicides.
0: Nice. Uh <laughs> <laughs> hey man for those who haven't listened to jr's uh, podcast before uh he did go to gp vegas with us and he spent his time trying to find uh what was it a, a fire an elevator fire
1: yeah in the old mgm which is now bally's there was a, a famous fire there um and that was actually that was the same the same building where they used to film the dean martin roast which we didn't we were rushing through and i didn't subject jason to that that part of the the tour but Um, yeah so good good morbid history and they actually they this the same the area where the fire started is basically used for the same exact thing they just think that people don't care or forgot or whatever so
0: yeah so they turned the Lemp Brewery into like a haunted house attraction for normal people Uh, and like they advertise it like crazy now um, but if I mean, if you really want to be scared in St. Louis, you just need to go to East St. Louis and cross the river, anyways. Uh, but apparently, they—I'm sorry to tell you—that they have commercialized the area. It's now called the Abyss. It's like a little the, haunted house place.
1: The Abyss, and in uh, in German, the the word for abyss is the same as the word for chaos.
0: And chaos comes from the Lat or er, Greek root of discord or something if i remember my classics well enough which i guess i need to brush up on Wheelock, lock but uh we'll see jim what are your what are your plans for like your house cuz you have a lot of cardboard there and how are you gonna get it all out
2: uh so my house conveniently is actually kind of on a on a hill it's not really a hill because there's the hills don't really exist in Florida. So I'm yeah, like it's not a the hill best I've way I can here.
0: I, I don't know what you were talking about. There's no hill.
2: Yeah, it's not. It's not on a hill per se. It is just the my front lawn in and the rest of the property is on a is on a slant. It's not really a uphill per like. It's not like a rolling hill like you'd see in like Pennsylvania or something. So most of the water is just going to run off into the street and it should be fine. Um, the last Hurricane Matthew that we had, there was no flooding in my house at all, not even in my garage, and there's like some holes in, in the concrete that surrounds that, so I'm not terribly worried about taking stuff out of the house. Um, I'm putting all my like outdoor furniture inside of it so that it doesn't blow around and destroy all my windows, um, but I am making sure that my cards are not on the floor because a lot of people, um, myself included, kind of just have stacks of shit in places that they shouldn't and uh, I know that I have to put them in boxes and put them on tables or on chairs Or on just something other than the floor because the floor might get like wet or soaked and I don't want my You know entire row of Rares or whatever to get waterlogged when like you know the rooms not even that wet um, But I don't know I might have bigger problems because the room that they're in right now has carpet and that's just gonna be awful if it gets wet so Maybe the maybe the magic cards are the least of my worries. Um I'm more more interested in making sure that I have enough uh supplies to deal with being out of power for a week or two if that's the case. I'm not looking forward to that part if that is what happens.
0: Yeah.
2: Like I don't know if anyone has lost power for like two hours, but you might as well just like hang yourself. Like there's nothing to do.
0: And if you hang yourself, JR will have a brand new story.
1: That's right.
2: There'll be a haunted house on uh, in
1: Orlando.
0: Yep. Florida's so, already
1: depressing. But <laughs> <laughs> when
0: when when did you move to uh, New York, Jr.? Like, how long have you been up there, man? Ninety nine. Okay, so like can, coincidentally, when uh, Gotti was put away, the Gambinos were gone. I, was, I see the connection.
1: Uh, that was years before. But I was just Didn't, in time for September eleventh. I. Really, Moved down, right, right over there um, in in June of 2001. So I was
2: in middle school when that happened. Uh, it was pretty, it was pretty miserable. Yeah, that I, was. I remember it very vividly because everyone that was in that city when it happened, they knew exactly what was happening when it happened. I was sitting in my English classroom, looking out the window, and I was wondering why there was so much smoke in the distance.
0: Yeah. was this after the first one or the second one? Because, I mean, as a Missouri yokel, I thought everyone had no idea what was going on when the first plane hit, and then when the second plane hit, it's like, oh shit, we're at war.
2: Uh, I honestly don't know if I knew exactly what was happening at the time. Um, I just was looking out the window because I wasn't paying attention in class because who does that? And uh, I I noticed that there was a lot of smoke coming on the horizon
1: yeah, that may have been later in the day. You, you, uh, you could see it from 40 50 miles away. But uh, no need to uh, to get me started on this this topic. <laughs> um, it's I mean, just I'm not
0: playing wrong to talk about 911 nowadays.
1: I can not I, I, I should clarify that all this like conspiracy people it's just garbage. I, I don't know what the deal is. I guess they just they thought that the Kennedy assassination was a legitimate conspiracy, and something weird was going on there. So now they have to just like try to make everything a conspiracy. I just yeah. uh, my politics are are not like I'm not liberal, I, I would say, but I'm just I don't want to be a clown. and I see a lot of a lot of this where people just they get up and they say something that's clearly. Not true, and what's going to happen in fifty years? Like, how is history going to judge you in fifty years when basically your politics is just a sequence of of shit posting, uh, you know, falsehoods for you know some kind of strategic reason, where the words coming out of your mouth aren't really true. They're just they're just deployed in order to have some kind of effect. So, I. I can't sit here and and sort of lie about you know the stock market and the, and the percentage of you know GDP that goes to workers and all, all these these factors that are you know pretty obvious and you can you can debate them in some ways, but you have to sort of acknowledge them and not just con- contribute to the noise so.
0: Our cast is super liberal, and I think most Magic players are super liberal anyway. At least the ones on Twitter. So, I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm planning on reading Hillary Clinton's book. Like, I've been seeing people post excerpts of, like, some stuff she's written about why she lost and things like that. And it's like, I I don't understand what you're blaming some of your losses on. And so now it's like, I want to read this and sort of get inside her mind unlike why she thinks or why she's writing that she thought she lost the election.
1: Yeah. She's really, the Clintons are from another era, the era of centrism where like literally the best strategy was to just go down the middle and be like the guy who's 50, 50 um, as close to the middle of the political spectrum as possible. That was the deal in the nineties and now it's clearly sort of the opposite. So it'll be interesting to see how far, far left the Democrats go. Um, well, you
0: got Bernie if he runs again.
2: I mean, he's not even a, really a Democrat. Like, he he caucuses with them because that's all the independents do because they're not batshit insane. But sorry if I offended anyone, but some. I'm some triggered. Poly-
0: As a snowflake, you have offended me beyond compare. I need to Let's, go find the uh, nearest yeah. Make America Great Again hat and go crazy. And I'm probably the most conservative one on this podcast or like on Twitter, but. I don't really voice it that much,
2: like, except except when you do.
0: Not publicly, and, like sure in chats and shit. But I don't know, man. Like when you when you grow up, privileged, luckily, like there's things that you don't want to lose. So it happens.
1: I, do, I feel like in general, I, I want to be a libertarian, and I want the the government, the state, to be as stripped down as possible because I feel that um, just decision making is is more. More, more efficient, I guess. I'd say when it's distributed among thousands of, of agents, um, or instead of it being concentrated in a, in a few people where their incentives might not be aligned. But really, governments and and private companies suffer from the same agency problems. Where, you know, like with with the financial crisis, basically the people who were running the banks, you know, they had these short term incentives to, you know boost the bank stock and so forth. So, um, the underlying investments and, you know, the subprime market were were clearly not sustainable, but they, they had this sort of like short term mentality where, you know, the problem would be for the next guy, but you have the same exact thing with, with the government itself. And especially the, the fiscal situation of a lot of cities and municipalities where it's no secret that, you know, the average, um, ages you know ages are going up longevity is going up pensions are going to get to a breaking point and this this isn't a secret like this is something that's going to happen but you know politicians they, ha- they have this this short term um, sort of these short term incentives for the next election and it's not really in, in their in their you know interest to to deal with these these hard problems so i feel like that both both the private and public entities have these same kind of um, incentive problems.
2: Yeah, I agree. It's just, it's there's no incentive to do things out of the kindness of your heart, and that's why we are in the situation that we're in. Darn
0: right, you got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. I don't care if, I, I mean, I'm messing around, but like, I think it's hilarious that, like, uh, people are already, like, forgetting about what happened in 08. Like, obviously, a lot of us, including me, were are really young when that happened. But, like, uh, I think history is bound to repeat itself with that as far as, like, relaxing, uh, relaxing res- restrictions on Wall Street, like the whole Dodd-Frank conversation that happened last year with Banks. Like, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, And if you're someone who is spending tens of thousands of dollars a year on cardboard, like shame on you when the house of cards comes crumbling down. If like you're one of those players that just buys all the cards and doesn't put money away for a rainy day, which there are plenty of customers I
2: have like that. Or hurricane day.
0: Yeah. But I I think you're at least somewhat smart when it comes to like uh, Disasters. So, at least I hope so. I was gonna I say, what does that even mean?
2: Like, I won't go too far. <laughs> I, like, I, 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 I like, re, like, I was not very well prepared. I went today as soon as I got off my plane, drove to the grocery store, and put as many things that were non-perishable into my cart as I could find. Which, by the way, I ended up with the weirdest grocery list I've ever had. But you know, it's hard to do that kind of stuff when you're just stuck in this machine that you just like that that doesn't reward people for trying all the time
1: yeah well I mean the people with money just get better and better at making money in ways that aren't obvious to people who, who don't have money um, but yeah with magic cards I, I feel like I don't have enough at this point where I am uh, I, I should have bought a set of power three years ago you know it just Um, just the absolute value of my collection, which is now like above 30,000, just, and it's been, it's been roughly 30,000 now for, um, you know, two, three years, although it's starting to, to really lurch, lurch upwards at this point. Um, but that just seemed, you know, the value of my magic collection 10 years ago was probably like 2,000 or 3,000 or something. So it just, once it started getting up to like that first initial legacy run where it got up above 10,000 and 20,000. And I just was like, wow, this is just like a ridiculous amount of money to have in, in magic cards. Um, and I, I should have at the, at the time I, I, should have, you know, like I said, I should have bought, um, a set of power. And I, I, wish my collection were more top heavy, um, than it is in, because that it would make it a lot more easy to liquidate if things start to go bad.
0: Yeah. Um, like, just to interject, like, I got that extremely top heavy collection last week and it's completely sold already. Like, every single card sold. Like, I put yeah. out a couple tweets on Twitter and it was gone. It's super simple. You just, like, throw a bunch of stuff. You throw, like, five packages together for five different people and shirt heavily, and then you don't, like, it's over. That was it. It's not, like, stacks of bulk and rares behind you that you have to, like, spend time figuring out, like, what is everything worth?
1: Yeah. I mean, in addition to just, Power. You know, there's things that I look around and it's like, why do I have a dozen treacheries when I I could just have three foil treacheries? That's just kind of dumb, you know? Um, Just the way I sort of went about. um, Yeah, I was never really aggressive. I was never a guy who was going deep. What I told myself was that I was going wide. um, And, you know, it was sort of a collection slash um, investment, which isn't really what you want to do you want to be more clear about why you're you're holding each each card um and EDH is sort of you know I've gotten into EDH this year and it's sort of intensified this bad habit where I just have these cards that oh I'm gonna to want to play this Empress Galena one day uh, or you know um so I I I want it's to Stone Rain, JR. I don't know what you're talking about you'll never play that card <laughs> So, but I, I want to make the collection more top-heavy over, over time. Just so, and what would freak me out would be if all of a sudden one of the big buy lists goes down. If it's like, you know, EBU or start. If, if I see a major buy list just kind of curtail its activities like that, will be my my sign. I think to just just really get out because um, that's sort of the the bedrock almost of the. Um, the whole sort of magic economy. And you guys would know better than me, but um, just the, the health, that's what I would look at, like just the, the general health of like Star City Games, Channel Fireball. Um, if, if those start to go south, then I'd be inclined to just snap, sell a third of my collection or half of my collection, which of course, as I just said, isn't really going to be that that easy. Um, but. And most of, most of my legacy cards, most of my reserve list cards are sitting in a safe deposit box because I looked into insuring them and I don't know if it's a special thing in New York City, but it was sort of a, a pain to actually insure uh, individual cards. So they're just, they're sitting in my safe deposit box.
0: Yeah. Instead. I mean, there's a lot of people that use like that stupid collectibles insurance online thing. I think that place is a scam, like looking at the amount of claims they've paid out, but... I mean, try to go with like a local insurer, in my opinion, or like business insurance. If like it's like I know you sell on TCG a bit, Jr. Like all of us sell on TCG enough to have an LLC and get business insurance, and have to worry about. fees uh, are insane, from what Doug tells me, which uh, must suck for you guys.
1: Yeah, I've also been really lazy about. Uh, I haven't actually sold a card on TCG in almost years at this point, and I've really just been exiting via Biolus, which is pretty suboptimal but I'm just I'm just lazy um but it if it's, I, it's I, not
2: suboptimal if your if your time is worth more than that right like how much sure. extra time does it take to sell on TCG players are worth a few extra dollars probably not
1: especially after fees and you know and I, I value I think I mentioned before that like when I say my collection is X dollars that means the Star City buy price times 120 percent which from having used different buyless tools in the past, usually, you know, ABU or Card Kingdom will be approximately Star City times 120. And, and sometimes Star City is the best. And th- the reason I use Star City is because they have basically everything, all the promos, all the, you know, basic land. So um, it's easy to just go th- go through and and value. Although there's some newer cards that they just don't have at all. And that's fine. I just mark them as zero. And there's basically upside there. So...
0: Anything you want to get off your chest, Ed? No. Wow, that is nothing to say. This is the first time in years. Poor Ed.
3: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm tired. There's a lot going on. It's uh, pretty crazy. Well, mode. what's
0: going on? This is after hours. You Feel free to bitch about whatever, as long I as mean, it's not your employer.
3: Uh, no, there's nothing bitching. Like We're just opening up a second store location. We had just announced that. So there's a lot of work that's going into that. We're kind of stretched thin because we're losing some of our employees to obviously the store, uh, the new store. They're moving down there or relocating. So everyone's just kind of, everyone's just like, has their work cut out for them. There's just, <clears throat> there's just infant things going on. Like I have a con, like a comic con to go to this weekend, like, like and no one has really put in the work, mainly because we just have had so many other things. So there's a lot on my mind. Uh, where,
2: uh, where are they opening the new store?
3: in poughkeepsie
2: dude i don't even know where that is
3: yeah
0: that doesn't even sound like a city
3: uh it's like about halfway between me and the city so it's like an hour south of here
0: man new york's weird you guys are like a giant state and upstate's like the farther upstate you go the further south it gets or something i don't know but there's more snow
2: no that's not that's not how new york works it's how florida works all right. The more, the more south you go, the more north it gets. And the more north you go, the more south it gets.
1: Yeah, yeah New sense. York's a pretty big place. Like, some streaming personalities in New York no one has ever even seen in real life. So.
2: Yeah, there's just that picture of him with a beard on Twitter.
1: <laughs> there's
0: other pictures of stuff.
2: He doesn't go to events, though. Like, I've never seen him or heard of him He went he to a, a PPTQ,
0: and then he bitched about it.
2: I don't, that's not really going anywhere, but okay.
1: Yeah, talking about magic is more fun than magic. Let's just be honest.
2: When you uh, when you
1: have EDH so is pretty many... fun,
2: super
0: That's low stakes. EDH... Yeah, EDH is only fun when people don't have lands. Yeah, like no. fuck you and you're uh, and you're trying to cast all these bullshit spells like rift. Like if you can't get more than two lands in play, this is never going to happen.
1: Is your is your Duretti list anywhere?
0: Uh, it is in my heart. I didn't even like make it a hundred percent. I made it like seventy five percent, and it's still very oppressive. Apparently, for
2: some people, uh, I, I didn't I add like, like Gauntlet I of Power. It wasn't that bad.
0: Yeah, and I didn't add like the most broken stuff I possibly could. I didn't add like Grim Monolith or Gauntlet of Might or like any of that stuff. I just put like every stacks piece in a Duretti deck, and occasionally it just locks people out.
2: Well, yeah, it locks people out that don't play ways to kill artifacts, which is just like I don't know what you're doing man. you don't want to interact in EDH and you're just gonna dive into the non interactive decks. I don't understand. Yeah. that's uh, great.
3: I think EDH should be played with chess clocks because my problem with EDH is that literally each term that passes by, the game takes ex- exponentially longer. so
2: So here's what you do. you have to have you have to do it at a house. Or at somebody's house not at a game store so that you're all drinking and then you don't care how long it takes you're just supposed to socialize with the other people while the slow guy takes his turn because because I definitely have those people in my my EDH group of, of friends and uh, while they are playing we are all just talking about literally anything else
3: but if you're just an f6 to your turn, you can't complain about the non-interactive decks because you're not interacting with them anyways so I well, I don't have to, have to interact
2: with them on their turn. I can interact with them on my turn. What you do have you have play in play EDH? Also, probably doesn't play like a deck that you need to worry about interacting with them on their turn. What do you play in EDHJR?
1: So, I put together a bunch of lists um, this year, and focusing on one and two color generals um, that I thought were just interesting and relatively unique and typical of you know so, so the, the two that i brought to vegas were very aggressive kamal fist of croza which is basically overrun the general um and Xenagos, which is basically just trying to double every attack in every every which way um, they're similar decks um you know one is wide and one is 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 tall but um what else do i have I've, uh, most interesting was probably Arkham Dagson, um, where you basically, basically my only way to kill people really is through my, a Mindslaver loop, um, where you could do it in, in a few different ways. Um, and so I, I have Captain Sissy I mentioned, I think, online, and I, I have built it as an Ernie Gedden deck where I like to fetch Hikori Dust Drinker and Thalia's and just, start taxing people's mana. Um, that one I haven't actually played yet. I just have a list together. Um, I have Rune Tail Kitsune, Jason Alt's pick of the week from this week, which just as a general is really annoying, just that amount of life gain. Life gain in general, I think, is, is underappreciated in EDH because if you just have a little bit of incremental life gain, To me, if I know that someone is going to gain just 10 or 15 life over the course of a game, and they're not otherwise a scary threat, probably not going to waste my attacks on them, right? You know, Um, what else do I have? I have Mizix, I have Jorah, the Gitu, Um, just... I don't really, I, a lot of the new three color and, and five color generals just don't really interest me in, in terms of how, um, they just seem like good stuff decks where it's just like, oh, it's a five color deck, I can throw on all these cards. Whereas the ones I'm looking at are more more specific. And I, and I like the one and two color. The other thing is I like the one and two color decks because it makes you go deep into the colors to find all the card draw, all the ramp and colors that don't have, you know. Um, And all the artifacts that do all that stuff. I think that's interesting Um. I definitely agree with you on a lot of that stuff. I think that
2: two color decks are probably my favorite ones to build because It's just enough It's just enough flexibility that you can do whatever you want, but it's enough Like the, the the cards are narrow enough that you actually have like meaningful decisions to make like, you just can't jam everything in there, and they can't all be good.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, Lseps, Sigarda, Host of Her- So the the, the cat deck, it was really kind of disappointing, I, I thought. Cause, and actually, the only the only Swarm deck of, so when I heard that was, we were going to have um, Tribal this year, I pictured Swarm decks. I pictured at least two Swarm decks. Really, the Vampire deck is really the only Swarm deck, right? Like. The other ones, you know, they, they can incidentally kind of swarm at at some points, but um, the vampire one is, I think, is, is that's probably the one I would actually build again because I like the life gain, I like the swarm. Um, the cat deck it was disappointing, right? Because it, it's sort of a Voltron deck, and that's why I thought of Sigarda. I was like, well, if you're if you're in green white and you have a Voltron deck, like you know, you build Cigarda or you're you purposely. You know, depowering and doing some kind of seventy-five percent thing, which I, I I'm not at that stage yet. I'm at the stage where I just I'm building hundred percent decks, and then we'll see how that goes. But I, I don't play a lot. Um, I'm I mostly literally just I have a spreadsheet, and I, I I'll send a screenshot. You guys will think the screenshot's funny, but I just grind them against myself. So
0: oh man, you sound like Ed. <laughs> Speaking of which, apparently this cast is so depressing that it needs a stuffed animal to make him feel happy.
1: Yeah, what, what can we talk about that's that's not depressing?
0: I don't know. It it's uh 2017.
1: I mean we we have talked about hurricanes,
0: <laughs> a fire in an elevator, like flooding uh classic JR though. Like this is what <laughs> you
3: signed up for. Apparently, this is like my first like real interaction, so man, yeah. ouch.
0: Where were you sitting at the table at Doug's wedding? Weren't you sitting next to them?
3: No, I had a book. I had to go back to the booth. Oh, right, right,
0: yeah, 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 okay.
1: But did you you played um, poker in Vegas, right? You did. You did like really well, right? I <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: did really well before we went to Doug's wedding.
2: Really? At, at one point in
1: time, he was doing really well. The night no, result ended, I, was not.
0: No, I ended the weekend
3: really well, so.
1: Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. So, and you were playing like multiple multiple hands at a time. You said. Uh, I was playing blackjack, so. Oh, blackjack! Right, right, right. Yeah. Um. So you were you were counting cards, I guess. Uh no, I would never count cards because that's.
0: It's cause, not a to Just that. upon.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
3: Right. For the most part, I generally don't count because it's just way more work than it's worth. And it like in order to like really count to the extent that you can actually get an advantage from it, it's kind of obvious that you're counting. Mainly because I'm not super proficient at it. So I generally just don't count. I just play optimally.
1: Yeah. How about my, sorry. my my friend has a, a system that he's working on and, and so I, I don't I, I so as a gambler, as a sort of a professional gambler, I try to avoid that stuff. Um, you know, after, after work. But my, my friend is into it and he has a accounting system. And what it sounds like is that, um, you know, basically there are shortcuts in the accounting system. So that's more mentally tractable. Um, so each card, instead of having like one number, each card goes into like one of two buckets. And then there's like another flag for certain cards so that it's just easier, it's faster to mentally process, you know, after you, you you practice with it. So that's what, that's, um, he seems really into it. But again, it, it's almost like a magic player that, you know, does a lot of theory crafting, but doesn't really play that much. I don't, I don't know how much he's actually played, but.
0: It's <laughs> when you, uh, when you go into a casino, JR, do you play the, do you play the nickel and dimes or do you pl- you go to the high rollers?
1: No, I don't, I don't do anything. I really don't. I, I stand I stand by whatever my friends are doing and just get free drinks, basically.
0: It's the way to play. Jim doesn't really gamble either.
2: Yeah, I went to one casino for like a couple hours because my fiancé's cousin was in town and she wanted to hang out with him. And I didn't want to stand there and do nothing. So I played Pi Gal for like three hours and somehow lost money because I was trying to win instead of just push. I messed up.
3: You get oh, cool man. stories from the casinos, though. <laughs> so, yeah,
2: yeah like- I mean, it was enjoyable, but and I got a couple of drinks, but it was definitely I was definitely paying too much for them.
0: The entire cast, but Jim lost money playing blackjack at the Bellagio. Just absolutely got destroyed. What's that, Ed? I
3: don't know if people can see this, but this is in the UK. This is how they pe- pay people out at the casino. This is a one thousand. This is a thousand pounds, so
0: thirteen hundred like, bucks.
3: Yep, <clears throat> uh, like twelve seventy, I think. The pound oh, is come slightly, on, I was close. The pound is slowly slipping, so uh, yeah. This is like this is pretty cool. Like they, I guess they count them, they stamp it, and they mark it. So this is how they hand you money in the UK.
2: Why do you have that and not? Why have you not turned it back into you? dollars to use
3: uh because i'm going to the uk next week on vacation so like actual vacation like Uh tourism and shit (laughs)
2: oh okay
3: yeah so that's why which in hindsight was a pretty bad idea it would have been better to go to one of the sketchy exchange places get like 99.2 percent back of my money and then exchange it again when i go to the uk because the pound has just like steadily been slipping with like brexit kind of looming and all
0: yeah, Kurt, I mean, the yen to dollar ratio has not been great lately. Like, it keeps going. The dollar keeps getting devalued compared to the yen, and I'm super sad about it.
3: Yeah, a few years ago, like, it was crazy. Like, like there was definitely a time when it was, like, what, 140 to the dollar? I think that
1: was kind of the peak.
0: Like, I remember 132. 40. That was the best I ever did.
1: In recent years. Yeah. 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 and now it's like
3: it's like constantly at yeah, like one oh nine, one oh eight. So one oh
0: seven today because I bought a bunch of stuff.
3: Jeez, one oh seven—that's yeah. crazy. That's not great. Yeah, when we were in Europe, we were we were trying to hypothesize like how screwed up the world would have to be if like the yen, the euro, uh, and the pound were all like one to one to one to each other, basically. Like what kind of world that would look like, or how like destabilize the economy would have to the goal economy would have to be in order for that to happen yeah
2: what is any that, world econom like us? none of them are stronger than each other so they're all like not I don't know what like what what, how, what would that mean in terms of like the confidence in the currency
3: I think it has less to do with the confidence it's more like how like how certain currencies trade against each other. Right, like the reason why like the brick uh the pound is slipping so heavily against the euro. Right? It's just like there's just so much uncertainty right now. And so like a lot of like the major firms or whatever, if they have offices in London, they're quite literally forced to relocate into like into like some in Europe, mainly because of how like future trade laws would work, presumably. So it just makes it worse and worse to hold on to a pound at that point. So like, it's like, it's like those types of things, like trading between like the various countries, like, and that's kind of cause, like, that's what causes like currencies to rise and fall against each other.
0: That's why you pay people in gold bars for magic cards or silver bars. Like, I love that customer, man. He is the best, best thing that's ever come to me. I don't even have to like buy bullion anymore. He just pays me in it for magic cards. And then I have to report it on my taxes.
1: But, yeah, interest rates. Uh, that's a big. Um, it's the main influence on on currency rates. Basically, um, you know, when you hold a currency, you you make whatever the deposit rate is. Um, so, higher higher yielding currencies tend to, or the expectation that interest rates are going up in a certain country will lead to you know the currency being being stronger. Um, so that that's basically sort of what's happened with the dollar Um, especially this this year again earlier in the year interest rate expectations were were getting up there because people thought that Trump would somehow cause inflation and that's why the dollar was strong and that's sort of that's sort of unwound at this point Um, but it's tough trading is tough trading markets financial markets is like you know when they had the, the, the cat, when cat wasn't banned and they, they banned it the next day, um, like that sort of thing happens every week in, fi- in in regular finance where some some official says something and then the other official says like the opposite, you know, hours later and just everyone gets chopped up and loses money. Um, like on, on Friday, we had the, the payrolls in, in the US which were sufficiently weak that the euro strength was continuing and, and you know the strength in the euro which has rallied from you know like 104 uh, up to 120 and it was about to to pierce 120 and all of a sudden Mario Draghi the, the head of the ECB comes out with this this vague statement that was basically intended to talk down the euro and, and defend the 120 level so up uh, to that point all of you what if, if your models were along the euro or if you were along the euro every, everything was going great and then he just came in and and crushed you Um, so it's tough it's uh, especially the last few years because there's been a lot of policy driving the markets whereas you know if you have certain algorithmic strategies it's like they're good at telling temperature but when when so when things are being driven by normal bottom-up economic sort of just uh, fluctuations some strategies do very well when things are being driven in a top-down way by just individual decision makers, some strategies do less well. So, um, but we can talk about magic cards.
2: <laughs> All right, that's what we'll end on.
0: <laughs> you got like ten minutes left. Go for it, Jeb.
2: So I don't know if anyone else saw uh, Thematic Compass, but the easiest way to describe this card, and it's actually pretty accurate, is they took a journeyer's kite and then stapled it to a Maze of if. And I can't imagine how many people actually are going to... Like, I can't imagine this being less than, like, a $5 card in a couple years. This is, like, the perfect casual card, because Maze of if doesn't make any mana, so people are mad and they have it in their deck because it doesn't tap for mana unless you have an herborg. But this is the Maze of if that you always wanted because when it flips into a land, it still taps for mana. And then it's also a Journeyer's Kite, which is just a reasonable card to have in your deck, but not worth a slot all the time. Like, it's worth, like, half a card. So because you get a a half of a Journeyer's Kite and a half of a Mazelvith, that seems quite strong. Also in Standard, like, if control decks are going to be a thing, like, mazing their whole team or mazing a couple of their smaller guys or just, like, mazing guys until you Wrath is just going to be a particularly good thing to do. Like, it just forces you to play more threats into whatever sweeper is going on. And then it becomes, like, a weird ramp spell, too, because it's a, it gets you more lands, and then when you have more lands, it flips. And then when it flips, it becomes a land. So it flips when you have seven lands, which gives you the eighth land, which makes you play an eight-drop ahead of schedule. I don't know. It's very interesting. I like it. I like, actually, pretty much all the flip cards is turn into lands. Uh, which also brings me to another point: uh, the red mythic that I thought was kind of a joke, the Sigil of Extinction, I think is what's called Star of Extinction. That card is going to be really expensive for no real reason because it's mythic. I don't know if anyone else noticed, it, but it's a Stone Rain, and all of the flip cards turn into lands that do like ridiculous things. So I'm, I'm big on I'm big on seven mana Stone Rain.
1: I like the, um, what do you think of this, the Sunbird Invocation, the, the red? It's sort of, it's a decent red card advantage spell. Um, you know, it's six, it's f- five colorless, one red. Whenever you cast a spell from your hand, reveal the top X cards of your library, where X of the spells converted to mana cost, you may cast a card revealed this way with cost X or less without paying its mana cost.
2: I think it's pretty sweet. It gives basically all your spells Cascade, or like something similar to Cascade. Um, but you have to big, play bigger cards for it to like hit often enough. I feel like, yeah. Like if you, if you pay a two mana spell, you might not get a spell out of it. But if you pay like a five mana spell, you're like almost guaranteed to get a spell out of it. I don't know. I think it depends on whether or not dinosaurs are like a real thing.
1: Well, I was just thinking for for EDH just as a red card draw spell.
2: I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty reasonable. It, it depends on what other color you're playing because it's probably not better than like a black, blue, or green one. So if you're really like right. a Boros deck, that seems pretty pretty solid. Because doesn't, it, It's weird because it looks like it should count just instant or sorceries, but it's just literally any spell. I, don't know. I, I, I ordered a copy of it because I like bad cards, but it might not be that bad.
1: ARE WE DOING picks OF THE WEEK? <laughs> <laughs> do you want
0: no people listen to this? I mean, it's after hours. I don't think we did them last time, but go for it, JR. All
1: right. So these, I'm just going to do specifically n- not reserve list stuff because. How could you? Like, uh, just just look at their own. There are only so many cards at this point. Just look at the list and, and see, like, what's, what's relevant. Like, stuff like Earthcraft, like, that's actually played in EDH, right? Uh, Winding Canyons, Preacher. So, those but those are reserveless. So, um, so Outpost Siege, best is basically the best red card draw spell. Um, right, and I guess I'm talking foils, right? Because it was just it was just reprinted. Uh, yeah. Timur Ascendancy is a very cheap two dollar foil that's I think it's in like twenty five hundred decks and going up because it's in the dragons. It's good with dragons. Um, Chameleon Colossus is is a strange one. It's being like when you look at the the chart of the online version and it looks like it's being consistently bought out by someone uh, or at least last I looked like two weeks ago.
2: It's not being bought out. It's actually being played in modern because it blocks a death shadow and it it can't be removed with uh, Inquisition.
1: Yeah, it's like a two of of in Titan shift, I think. But that said, it it's like tw- I think last I looked it was like seventeen ticks online. So it, it was it raised my my sort of eyebrows. So, and I imagine I don't know how much it's played in EDH, but I imagine it, it's it's nice to be able to to continuously double something. So I think pack foils, community clauses are not the worst. Um,
2: so community clauses is a little weird because it's been reprinted a bunch of times in paper that don't translate very well online. Like it's in a, in Commander twenty fifteen, it's in from the Vault twenty, and it's in an Arch Enemy, so those three sets don't really get opened online, which is probably why it's much more expensive. Because otherwise, you just have the Morning Tide printing.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel like all these non-reserve list ones. I'm you know I'm talking about the foils, um, Strionic Resonator, another card that I just so embarrassing that I forgot to put that in my Zendigo deck, because it didn't really come up in, on you know my. Um, sort of uh, gatherer searches but that's a it does a lot of stuff in edh i mean triggered abilities are all over and there aren't that many foil copies
0: have you tried illusionist bracers specifically the foil um, asking for a friend
1: it's not as good that's not in there I didn't make the cut i that's know because jeremy owns them all i
0: own all <laughs> the foils and they will never sell I think I've been sitting on those for a year and a half, two years now.
1: Yeah, I, I consider that for maybe two or three d- different decks. And there's just so many cards. It, it just wasn't quite good enough. Um, what else? Uh, the Black Sun Zenith Full Art Promo. I, I mean, it's probably, it's, it's not low anymore, but it's a great card that's basically never going to be reprinted in that, in that way. Um... And also, I want to ask you guys: the masterpieces, um, yeah. the masterpieces. I and I, I think that these these two particular ones were probably from the 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 Kaladesh. Basically, they were from the set that had more copies. But looking at the relative prices, when I look at Duplicate and Mind's Eye down there, I think they're still they're lower than thirty bucks. They they seem they seem low relative to the other ones based on just how much they're played.
0: Mind's Eye is one that sees a ton of play locally. That's one I actually like. The problem with um, targeting expeditions or masterpieces is I wonder how many Ed has stashed away, and then I don't buy them. (laughs) I've read a few more, like, some of the people (laughs) that I've seen that have, like, one or two rows of all this stuff, and then I'm just like, I don't want any part of this.
2: So it's a little weird, because Mind's Eye and I think also Duplicant were in the Commander's Arsenal? With weird they were. new art. However, if you look at
0: like Hangerback Walker, like that card's $100 for no reason. Versus Doesn't that like foil
2: nothing. Randomly in like Legacy and or It was played sometimes. in
0: Vintage. It was played in Vintage stacks. It's not anymore really.
2: Well, eventually they'll play it in stacks because they'll ban all the other artifacts that you can play with uh Mishra's Workshop.
0: Don't get me. We could have a whole podcast on how pissed I am that they banned Thorn. But they we're didn't not. ban it.
2: They restricted it. They don't ban it's cards as vintage. Same
0: thing. I was so happy going <laughs> to GenCon with Stacks, and then they they banned my Thorn Man.
2: I was Yo like, Yo, man, oh, how many how many artifacts do you think are gonna die before they decide that Misha's Workshop might be the problem?
0: It's not that problem. It's I had ordered four Russian foil thorns, and they were in the mail.
2: <laughs> I and was trying to like, have a conversation with spread. you about the format that you love, and you're just gonna bitch about the fact that you bought Russian foils. Yeah,
0: I'm pretty sure I have a
3: gift for this. Like, I'm pretty sure I have one that I use pretty frequently <laughs> for this. Oh so yeah,
2: Ed, yes. what's
3: your
0: Ed? What's your pick of the week? Even though we did one already, this money.
3: Oh, specifically this. The euro. So, yeah, the euro. Hold on to it. We're we're not being serious here. So, I think just holding on to euros is great if you have them. If you can trade into them, great.
1: It's tough. I, it's tough. Drag. Yeah. He, was, he basically came out on Friday and. Kind of said he didn't he didn't want it above 120 so now if it if it manages so the ecb announcement is this thursday and if it manages to trade north of of 120 then, um, I'll be then I, I would agree <laughs> <laughs> that, that says that the market is just going to go there and doesn't care what he says and he's going to get overwhelmed by by the move but um, again it, it, it comes down to relative interest rates so that's something to, to keep an eye on probably also if, if you want to um, just look at interest rate expectations in the, in the U S as sort of a, a leading indicator of that. But um, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see it, you know, go up to to 120. but I, I I think the move is, is probably more than half over though.
0: Jim, what's your pick of the week?
2: Um, I'd be really interested in a lot of the mythics in this set. Uh, I think Ixalan may not be the most standout set when it first releases. There's a lot of things that, like, I am pretty sure are undervalued right now. If you play standard, like, as your main format, you will probably want to get into a lot of these Mythic Rares at basically bulk prices. Uh, As I'm talking to you about this, I'm actually ordering some copies myself because uh, I can play them in multiple of my EDH decks, I think. Um, Wakening Sun's Avatar is probably, like, it looks pretty dorky, but it's a 7-mana, it's an 8-mana 7-7 seven, seven that wraps the board, which seems pretty busted. Um, the Thaumatic t- Compass that I already talked about seems like a card that will get played in some variety, and they're like a dollar. Um, Star of Extinction is the kind of card, like, I feel like... So many of these Dinosaur cards are so expensive that we're going to have, like, they must have tested this in the Future Future League, and there's going to be, like, some sort of ramp deck that plays, like, a bunch of 7-8 mana spells that people think are unplayable. Like, it's not as clear-cut to me as Worldbreaker was when it got spoiled and it was, like, pre-ordering for $2, and I was like, there's no way this is a $2 card, this has to go up, and then, you know, release weekend it was, like, 18 or whatever. Like, I'm not sure which one of these is actually going to be the, the best, like... Overflowing Insight also seems like a card that could get played in the standard. Like, it's two more mana than uh, Tidings, which people really like, and it draws seven cards instead of four. Like, I, I don't know why people are, like, super... They're, like, I've seen a lot of people who are like, oh, man, it's a seven-mana sorcery. I'm like, yeah, when have you ever been able to pay seven mana and draw seven cards? And your opponent also doesn't get to draw seven cards. Like, that doesn't happen.
1: I think that goes into um, Jorah of the Gitu, right? You just cast yeah. it for two while you're time-walking, just...
2: I mean, this is this going is to just go in a lot of decks. Like, I have a Boral deck that I'm probably going to put this in because even it as a six-mana sorcerer, draw seven cards is a draw seven cards. Like, this is the kind of card that you, you play in a deck where they run for ones a lot, and then you, like, this is your finisher. You just draw seven, and then you're so far ahead you can't lose anymore. So it looks really unimpressive because it's not like Sphinx's Revelation. It's not instant. It doesn't give you any life. Like... It doesn't look sexy, but just it—it it just has so much raw power attached to it. I think that that's what we're going to see from a lot of these mythics, um, especially the there's there's like one in each color. I think are pretty good. Carnage Tyrant's pretty pretty sweet. Starve Extinction I think is going to be way better than people think it is. It just looks like a joke card. Uh, Overflowing Insight, like I've just said, is is just It's just solid. Like you're just gonna play some of them sometimes, and they're just there's gonna be like a weekend that people start playing it, and this is gonna triple up in price because it's a mythic, it's a blue mythic, so like it'll just be way more expensive than it has any reason to be. And then the dinosaur guy is just like it could just be a one sided wrath in a sweet dinosaur ramp deck that is gonna kill people one weekend.
0: My pick of the week is Turkey Point. Uh, so I know we're, we're getting back to the theme of this JR podcast. Uh, Turkey Point is a nuclear power plant miles away from downtown Miami that has suffered uh, catastrophic melt. It's susceptible to a meltdown caused by a natural disaster. A hurricane spurred tidal surge uh, from Turkey Point's Bay could create catastrophic, con- catastrophic conditions identical to those in Japan. Uh, the plant spent fuel pools are brimming with danger. Apparently they were fined already because they're behind on their spent fuel pools. And people are saying if it melts down, Miami is doomed. There will be no time to evacuate the city. If there is a meltdown, people will die. And the entire city of Miami will become a, a ghost town that no one will be able to live in for over 50,000 years. So we're, we're getting back to the main theme of this doom and gloom. Apparently it's a big issue that a lot of nuclear scientists are concerned about what this hurricane because it's a it's a power plant or it's a nuclear power plant that hasn't kept up to safety protocol, right next to Miami.
1: Well, we'll see. There there are meltdowns and then there are meltdowns, right? Yeah. melted down the you know, per se. Three
0: Mile Island. It,
1: yeah. That well, that wasn't a meltdown. That was just uh, the, the loss of containment, right? Uh, yeah.
0: That was what. That was basically. They it's it stopped in time, it didn't go all the way, yeah.
1: Whereas so. Chern- Chernobyl is the, the the real the real meltdown, yeah. yeah. So, I also uh, noticed today, go, just going back to the, the magic cards for a second, the uh, the, the goblin that, that creates a an artifact, it's insane. Um, I used to screw around with this shape, a new modern brew, um, which you, know, you basically it's like a polymorph deck. Um, but it's a little bit more robust in the sense that it's harder to destroy artifacts in response to the, the you know, the, the Shape and New. Um, so it's technically the second best card for that, behind um, the white, the the one drop white Investigate guy. Um, Three inspector. Yeah, yeah. So that's All right. that's what I'll have. So so I do. I think I do have like a dozen foil copies of Shape anew New around. So maybe
0: (laughs) well thanks for coming on jr i hope you i hope our listeners enjoyed this hour of doom gloom and hurricane monsoons uh no one made fun of me uh, this was a good cast i went whole cast on being made fun of we did great
3: well
2: Uh, you didn't uh, guys say anything worth being made fun of
3: yeah i never
0: say anything worth being made fun of
2: that's not true that's not true Uh,
0: if you guys want to listen to more of uh the classic JR isms and Marcelisms and all the other fun things, you can check out his podcast where exactly.
1: Uh if you just go over to brainstormbrewery.com, uh you'll see you'll see uh you know two of the casts that I, I guess oh I, I yeah, that I that I that I'm on. I, I almost said guests on, on two, but that's not that's not really true. I try mm-hmm. to keep these Care things yourself. uh
2: yeah, you're not Doug. You're not an eternal guest. Yeah. We love you, Doug. Come back.
0: I missed you. Um, but yeah, that'll be it for uh, Cartel number four. Uh, I actually enjoyed having JR on. It was a nice, even more negative Travis, as far as like where Travis just hates a lot of things. JR is very specific on things that intrigues him.
2: Uh, you can find how him is that on Twitter like Travis. That's like literally like you're like about to go on a segue about how him and Travis are similar, and then you said they're they're so similar, they're just entirely dissimilar. Well, it's always nice to have a
0: negative person on the cast to keep things in
2: perspective. What, but I think I guess it's even, you this week. I'm not negative, I'm just realistic. I just call you out on your shit because you have too much you, you you Ed lets you slide way too often. I know That's it's great. It is absolutely great.
0: Well, thanks for listening, guys. We'll catch in with you with the normal cast next week on Monday. And as always, have a good week. Bye.